Welcome in. This is 300 Yards to Unknown. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Eric Patterson, EPAT. This is take number three. We are having some technical difficulties. We are trying this again. Hello. How are you? Rick, I, you know, third time's a charm. Let's hope this is, uh, this is all on me too. So I apologize, but we're I don't here. We're going. I think it, it probably is. You. I mean, you, you've got a full setup studio over there. I'm running in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you could be StreamYard. It could just be StreamYard. That might, might be the Let's issue. blame StreamYard then, but we're doing well. Riviera's here. Great, great tournament, great field. We were talking about it earlier, just about how, how fun and different this event is. So yeah, we're off to a good start. Yeah, it is a course that with the firm and fast conditions, you can go low. You have to be exact. Um, you know, this is what we saw at the President's Cup. It's what we see usually at major championships. And and I think that is the most fair way and the best way for golf courses to be. So I'm uh, I'm loving this week. It's phenomenal. You get like you're, you're one shot away or like a fraction of a, a yard here or there between a, a bogey and a birdie. So that just... That's what makes it interesting and exciting. And I think that's, you can't have it every week because uh, we've talked about this. It's just a grind for these guys when it is really tough and, and you know, you're battling to make pars all the time, but every once in, once in a while, it's nice to see. And um, it's good that, you know, this field, what is it? 11 of the top 15 players in the world are here this week. So this is like yeah. a little appetizer of like a preview of, if you will, of major season. So it's nice. I can't think of another course that is, as interesting as Riviera. So it's, it's weird, right? 7,500 square foot on average greens, but which is on the large side, but, uh, less than, you know, uh, they are on the, the, what am I trying to say here? Fewer guys hit the greens than like the tour average, right? So that, that kind of contradicts one another. You have one of the easiest holes on the uh, easiest holes on the PGA tour. You have one of the hardest holes on the PGA tour. And then you have number 10, which is that short little par four that you can make an easy three or an easy six on. I mean, there's like a little bit of everything out there. I think the greens. Yeah. Like truthfully, I'm not going to say here. I know every hole back, like the back of my hand, but like the greens, there's a lot of false fronts. There's a lot of, you know, runoffs at the back. Like, so like, a lot of the square footage is um, unusable. Yeah. So uh, that's probably where the, like the large greens come in, but they're still small targets, which I, I think is what makes it fun. These guys, um, if you want to get aggressive, you can pay for it pretty quickly, but uh, you know, should be, should be a fun uh, rest of the week here just with the, with the names and everyone's kind of playing well. So yeah. Uh, it's, I, a, I, it's a it's phenomenal like i'm watching right now jt's in the middle of a bunker on the sixth hole like the green the group the bunkers yes. in the middle of the green which is which yeah. is wild and you know it's hard to get in there but i guess players end up in that spot i always like it when uh the hole is on one side of the bunker and your ball is on the other and they've got to figure out like how yeah. am i going to go around this thing <laughs> like am i just gonna chip this how chip am I gonna over do this? yeah they're good yeah. enough to pitch it over but uh it makes the superintendent a, a little nervous when that when the guy pulls out the wedge yeah you got to clip that one pretty clean um the other thing is i feel so you know not that i feel bad for these guys but like at 6 55 a.m on a thursday oh, yeah. morning and you have to go off 10 and you're like Oh God. Like I, I know that I'm just like, this could be disastrous. It's cold. That hole is just covered in shade and I've got to deal with this right out of the gate. And we saw, I mean, Tom workout got smacked in the face on Thursday morning, made double right out of the gate. Wearing a toque, looking miserable. Bam, two D, two D, and then he made bogey pretty quickly after that. On the so, par yeah, five he, right after he was he, three over through he two was in a hole early. So yeah, it's a, uh, I was like, why are these guys going off so early? And then I realized um, only one course this week we've been, you know, yeah. the California 
events have been given us two course rotations. So they really got to jam them in for, it's only 120 guys and they're starting, starting really early. So I think we're done with that. I think, I think we've already had our last two course or multiple course rotation. I don't think we get another one for the rest of the year. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I think it's uh, only the West coast. Yeah. It's only the West coast and before daylight savings and stuff like that. And as we get into the summer, our days are going to get longer, so we don't need it. Also, uh, next week is a quote new event. It's the same event, but it is now the worst, maybe the worst name that we have on the PGA tour. I want to make did sure I get this Mexico? right. I don't even know if they still have no, Mexico in it. No, they did not. So it is now called the world golf championships workday championship at the concession oh, workday jumped in right workday jumped in so people were speculating that uh, they're doing it to get mickelson a sponsor's invite because there's no way he's qualifying and you know he's this one's for you workday he pulled that out at the uh yep at the match, match. so maybe they try to finagle mickelson into the tournament somehow uh, I would not be surprised. I was actually pretty confident we were going to see Workday in some capacity or another. I thought they were going to take over that Greenbrier spot on the, on the schedule. Uh, didn't they take over Memorial? Well, but that was that was a one-off event because no, the John Deere Classic got. I'm very certain they've moved in as the Memorial's new presenting sponsor. You oh, oh you're like, saying as you're saying as like on, the Memorial that. presented by Workday. I'm pretty sure that because um, Workday no. was working with. Well, Steph it's, Curry to get an event at in San Francisco, but I'm pretty sure Workday is now just taking over as a semi-sponsor of the Memorial Tournament. So that might that might be true. On the PGA Tour's website, it still says the Memorial Tournament tournament presented by Nationwide well, is is what it's listed. But you're usually in the know about this stuff. I'd like to think I am. Yeah, <laughs> Workday I, joins I, I the Memorial expecting- Tournament. Yeah, this is a December. It's they're definitely there. I'm not sure if okay. they're taking over for Nationwide, but we're giving work day a lot of love. Uh, well, they, yeah. they, they, uh, I knew they were, they wanted to be involved. I mean, you know, these, 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 um, tournament sponsorships don't come up often. I knew they wanted to be involved. It's why they jumped in for that back to back weeks at Memorial last year. And I was not surprised to see that they kind of got the nod for this WGC because they, yeah, because of the Phil stuff, like they, they want to be involved in this. They want to, uh, they think this is a really good spot for them, which, you know, like I, I don't know what the value I don't know what the value of like a title sponsor is, but they love this stuff. It seems like they're getting the discount, like uh, whatever goes on the discount rack, Workday yeah. steps in and takes it. But I know that they were working with Steph Curry to get the San Francisco tournament, but that's now gone. Like that's, I don't think that's happening, but uh, now Steph Curry is associated with the Memorial tournament. So mm. that's the connection between Workday, Steph Curry, and the PGA Tour. Interesting. Uh, speaking of Phil, uh, we, yeah. we are seeing... <laughs> Uh, you know, listen, it, 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 father time is undefeated. Phil's over 50. We've only seen a handful of, of 50 plus winners on the PGA tour. It's kind of a different era from even those guys. Phil's PGA tour career is, is certainly at the tail end. And apparently he is starting to think about other options, whether that is a larger schedule on the champions tour or EPAT. What I'm most excited about is potentially getting into the TV booth and providing some analysis. That's what the reports are saying. I guess uh, front office sports is the first one to have this. They had quotes from his agent saying that he wouldn't be surprised to see Mickelson more in the booth in the next 12 to 24 months or something like that, six to 12 months. But uh, definitely seems like the logical step for Mickelson in golf and moving forward, whether that's, I was just thinking like how cool it would be for Mickelson to play, you know, or just do the majors, but then, 
you know, he's going to be playing at Augusta every year. So maybe you just see, you just get uh, Mickelson at Augusta on the weekend or something, assuming he misses the cut or <laughs> something. Like, assuming think, he misses I, the cut. Yeah, no, but like, there's got to be a way, like, Mikkel, I don't know if you need him every week, but he could elevate a tournament well, just by being in the booth. Where did he do that? There was somewhere he PGA. did that where he, okay, so he missed the cut at the PGA yeah. and he, he hops into the booth. And he was phenomenal. And it was also the added insight of not only the on the course stuff, but like, hey, I played this yesterday and I'm Phil and like, it, like the analysis. I'm pretty, was sure, I'm pretty sure he was there like Friday afternoon, which so he's like, I played in the morning and then he got into the booth and he was got like, it. yeah, like, so he, either way, he, he definitely added that element of like, you know, I just played this hole a few hours ago and I know what this, you know, what this putt does or what the chip is. So like, he was like, you know, that, that was phenomenal. And, um, maybe it's because it was new and Mickelson was, it was like his first time, but I honestly, I couldn't stop listening to him talk about it. I don't, yes, I completely agree. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was super entertaining. It was great. I don't see, I'm kind of torn on this. So I don't see Phil grinding in the booth uh, like 18 times a year or whatever, right? Like he doesn't sign a deal and travel all over and show up. I don't know how many times, 18 times and call it every single week. But at the same time, I'm like, if anybody would, it might be Phil because like, if he's relevant, if he's talking, he can sell the coffee. He can do the sunglasses. He can do whatever's next. Right. So like, I kind of am torn about this. Like he obviously has enough money. Phil loves it. I, I just don't know what to expect out of something like this. That's why I was trying to, in my head, lay out like a Mickelson broadcast schedule where he hits like the big ones. Like, you know, he knows Pebble really well, so he could do that. Um, some of his other ones, the majors, I'm trying to think of what else is a Mickelson course. Maybe he goes back to, to Phoenix or, mm, again, you don't know what, you don't know what company he signs with, whether that's NBC, CBS, ESPN might step in and, and steal them, but um, yeah. it's going to be a lot of money for Mickelson to do it. But uh, I just think, you know, I'm, I'm, Maybe it's because I watch every weekend. I'm just I'm just tired of Faldo being amazed by every single good shot on the PJ. He just like he goes wow after like anyone hits like a 300 yard drive. He just he just can't believe it. He's stunned. And then there's Azinger who's just he doesn't bring much juice, even though uh, he's new and should and should have like a lot of good insight. It's just the two that they have now are are, are mediocre in my mind. So as much as I would love to see Phil in the booth. Uh, to me, these networks would be much better off not paying someone millions of dollars a year and putting more cameras on site and <laughs> investing in the infrastructure, Silence. investing in, yeah, I mean, watch a European tour event. Those those guys just shut up, right? They just show the golf. And I wonder, and again, I have no idea about this. I have no idea what the financials are, but I assume that paying a lot of money to announcers is not a great use of the funds. I would like to see the infrastructure back in place and just like, I don't care who talks or doesn't talk quite frankly. And that's maybe one concern with Mickelson is he might talk too much. Like yeah. he's, he's been known to want to control a room, control a conversation. So yeah, that could he's going to have, a, have a lot of stories and he's, he's going to have, have a lot of things to talk about. It could become like a, it could quickly become a sideshow. Maybe he runs out of those stories early, but <laughs> um yeah the you gotta you gotta find someone who finds the perfect balance of silence insight and then just you know being able to kind of talk off the cuff and and you know add a little bit of entertainment value at the same time but i think i think i think we'll see it it's just a matter of how much and and when 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Phil's going to be anybody's sidekick, right? But he's also not the guy that can carry the entire broadcast and make sure that you're getting out to the shots, right? So it's kind of, I mean, if you watch any Saturday and Sunday, there are so many guys, right? I mean, you've got like, you've got Nance and then you've got Faldo, then they're throwing it over like Ian Baker Finch or whatever. Then they throw it out. I mean, there's just like, uh, there's guys for specific holes. Like there's just so much going on. I don't know how you'd have to like rework that to get a to get a film. And then, and then if you watch PGA Tour live in the morning, like I don't even know who these announcers are, but there are just so many different voices, and even on that broadcast too, that there's all yeah, there's a lot of a lot of guys um, breaking it down. And sometimes they were talking today about um, how Colin Morikawa is rusty, and they couldn't believe he hasn't played since Hawaii. My head exploded. And people were people are losing their mind because. Uh, it just takes one quick search on official world golf ranking to know that he played in on the European tour in Dubai not that long ago. So to, to run with this narrative about Morikawa being super rusty, hasn't played in over a month, is just you know, you're just not doing your research. You're not doing it your was, job. It was two weeks ago. He played two weeks ago. He played the la- he played the same time Dustin Johnson did, right? It was the Saudi event. Like it it, it is it I was stunned when I heard that. And it I don't know if it's just this. I don't even want to call it like American centric. It's like the PGA tour centric centric. Like, Oh, he didn't even, like, if it's not, if it's not on the PGA tour.com's website, he did not play golf anywhere. So he must be rusty. And also like, even if he hasn't played in a month, do you think he hasn't picked up a golf club? Like, I don't know what the idea even is. He, he's then, not like, rusty. <laughs> Neiman, Neiman hasn't played since uh, Hawaii. I'm almost certain about that. And he goes out and shoots four under. So it's like these guys don't get rusty just because they didn't play in a month. Like they're they're practicing, they're doing it all. But yeah, I'm guess I'm guessing in the media guide or whatever the handout they give, they go last yes. start and it doesn't it doesn't show. The I think that's exactly period. what happens. I think they're I think they're I think they're there's cheat sheets, right? There's there's hey, here's the last event. And it's and you and you know it there's a cheat sheet because there's always one thing about every single golfer. Oh, yeah, they hammer the only Matthew, thing they talk about. Matthew Neesmith proposed on the 18th green at RBC <laughs> at RV at Harbortown, right? Like that they said it 15 times. Like so, so you know there's a cheat sheet that has one fun fact where they went to college, uh, you know, the year they turned pro and like their last three starts and like how many times they've won on the PGA tour, and it's like all PGA tour stuff. And again, on the Morikawa point, uh, Daniel Rappaport of Golf Digest tweeted that he was changing his putter grip. We kind of made a fuss about it. And these guys are like, I've never seen him do this. I'm not sure if he was doing it at the Sony. What is this putting grip he's using? Like, what do we think about it? Like, this is this. A lot of people on Twitter knew about this. And they're just like kind of dumbfounded by the fact that he changed it. Cole Swatton was like, oh, I wait. He's using, I have no, I've never heard. I was, it was, it was pure shock. Like this has been quote unquote news, right? Da- Danny Rappaport had this days ago. Uh, like, I, I, I don't know, man. I just don't know this anymore. might be like too many, too many guys. Not do, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know who was surprised. It was just the voice on PGA tour live that were just shocked by it. But I, maybe they do other things and there's like, maybe it's a part-time job for them covering golf. I don't know what the deal is, but they just don't seem as informed as they should be at the same time. <sighs> okay. This is This is honestly Rick's rants. Is what this, this, you know, it's you, you get my blood pressure going, you know, the right buttons to press to get me all fired up about this stuff. <laughs> and like, obviously I like, I want it to be better. I wish we could come on here and be like, oh my God, the coverage was amazing. Or or even like, 
yeah, the coverage was as expected. They didn't do anything wrong. They like, I want to say that, like, I want it to be great. So it's like, it is very annoying when these, these silly, easy things to look like one Google search away from all these answers are constantly being uh, described incorrectly. And yeah, they're just like out of the loop and there's people in our circle who are more inside the loop. And then we're the ones, uh, you know, consuming the content and they're, right. the, they're trying to tell us things we already know as like it's new it's just like uh i don't know it's kind of backwards when i when i want to watch a, a broadcast i want to be informed by someone who knows more than me but maybe maybe we're just too deep inside the you know we're we go down too far these rabbit holes we know all the putter changes all the club changes all the grip changes maybe that's just on us i've actually uh a lot more recently um i mute the coverage or i mute the tv and just listen to the radio the pga tour radio is they're great it, it's just, it's just shot after shot after shot after shot and leaderboard update and leaderboard update and shot and shot. And like, like they don't even really give much analysis or anything or they anything. They can't, there's yeah. no time. Yeah. They, they and just, there's no, there's no, if they, if they're talking about stories, they're not, they're missing the coverage They're missing what's going on. So that's why like you can just get lost watching golf and not, and you look away and these guys are just blabbling about something and you just, you miss a hole or two because you're just not interested in what's going on. But those guys keep you engaged on the radio. Yeah, it's awesome, which I also can't imagine how difficult that is. So shout out, you know, uh, my buddy, Doug Bell, my buddy, Will Haskett, like doing the, doing a description of a golf shot, like, okay, That's it's turning right at the skill. hole. Oh, we just missed. Like, it's so funny. I love it. It has to it's be so hard. Yeah, it actually adds more drama because you got to <laughs> like, you got, he's like, he's lining up for a six footer. It's yeah. going to sweep to the right. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm on, I'm on the edge of my seat listening to this, but uh, yeah. TV, you're just like, oh, that's, that's going to miss by like a foot. Yeah, there was like putter back and through. He's looking at it. He likes yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's the stuff. Maybe I'll just start doing what you do. Mute, mute Faldo and the boys and just turn into, the, <laughs> turn into their... They probably just don't do the same shots as what's on TV, though. Um, like, Sometimes I, they do on the weekend. Um, okay. Because they'll still focus on the leaders and stuff. But, yeah. but you, you tend to get more shots because... They'll also give you, even if the guy's not in contention, but he's in a similar group or he's on a similar hole, sometimes you'll get that too. So I think it's, I just think it's a better, a right. better I might have to give that a run. Um, okay. So speaking of things that, uh, of, I, I am uninformed about, I, I want to talk to you about this NBA top shot stuff that you're tweeting about and you're tweeting at people about, and you seem to know much more about this than I do. So from, from what I understand and correct me if I'm wrong here, these are, video clips of nba games or of nba plays that uh are kind of like trading cards where you open a pack you get these there's serial numbers some are more rare than others they have inherent value you can buy and sell them is that like the, the basis of this very cole's notes yeah there's yeah that's that's pretty much spot on what it is if you want to dumb it down to they're just video clips yeah that's what it is okay so then and and I don't necessarily agree with this because I've I've thought about this a lot. Most people would say then, Eric, how is there value in something that I can find on YouTube? All right. Well, I'm going to preface <laughs> this entire thing by saying I am by no means an expert at any of this. I it's something that I found interesting and different, and uh, you know, it was kind of booming. So I just, I, I just started doing my research and getting involved a little bit because it was something unique. Um, so the value—that's what the question was. How? Why is there value in something I can just go watch on YouTube? Right. So the quick rebuttal for me is: Do you understand the value of 
like trading cards, right? Sports cards. They put numbers on them. Sometimes they're autographed, which is cool. Sometimes there's a piece of jersey, which is it's a or it's a rookie card or yeah, it's, it's whatever. A rookie card. They're numbered to like five hundred or whatever. And then there's boom. There's inherent value because there's a scarcity of them. There's you obviously own the card. You're in full possession of the card. Um, so therefore, that is value. But at the same time, um, I can go look up a picture of that card. And mm. if I really want to, you know, if I want to pretend that I have it, I can just print it off in my computer and I, you know, put it on, put it into a plastic sleeve and I say, I have the card too, but you don't have the original. And obviously yours, it's a, obviously a made up replica. So what these video clips are is they use, again, this is, I'm, this is, I might be out over my skis here, <laughs> okay. but um, basically it uses what's called a non-fungible token which um, is like a crypto, it creates a digital asset of the video clip. It makes it um, scarce. It gives it uh, ownership. You can track like every single transaction of this moment right. of this. It's all, digital it's all on the blockchain, clip. right? Yeah, so it's all transparent. It's, all, it's right. all that jazz. Again, I'm not doing it justice in, in trying to, to, to sell people on it, but um, the value isn't in just the clip itself. It's in the scarcity of what that clip is associated to on the blockchain. Right. So it could be, so, so just for, uh, transparency on my end, I really love the idea of this. Uh, I, I'm not an NBA guy. Like if there was PGA top shots, I would probably be in there constantly. And there's, I know they're going, they're going to do like what UFC and UFC. I, thought I, I don't know if there's more, but I know Tops is on top, like the trading card company Tops is getting into digital trading cards too. So it's starting a trend. So it's, it, it, it's really smart in the way that, I mean, like it's, it, you could call it digital art, you could call it whatever, anything that is scarce, anything that has a supply and demand has value. So I don't even care about the value of it. Uh, the, the, idea of doing it this way i think is interesting because when you compare it to the trading card market the two biggest issues with the trading card market are uh reproductions or people creating fabrications or fakes right that's a big yeah. issue this removes that it's all on the blockchain it's all, like you can't you can't fake it right like everything's authentic right Am especially I with top shot because it is nba license like some guy's not just clipping videos of from right. youtube and selling them on ebay or whatever like this is all in one marketplace the other thing is uh now that trading cards are so hot uh and everything needs to be graded there is a huge backup on grading and all of it is and you can argue like there's a system in place but if your card comes back a nine and a half or a nine instead of a 10, that's a lot of money. And someone is grading that kind of whether, whether they're doing Almost it objectively. Or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and the that process takes it's, I think the waiting list right now for if you send one in is like half a year. Right. Yeah. Months, months. And, and the market could switch in that time period. So it's, it's, um, yeah, complicated. So, that aspect. so these, these top shot clips are all authentic and they're all quote unquote tense, right? Because there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no, there's grading. no grading. Right. No. So I, I do love the idea that two of the biggest, uh, things that could hinder a trading card market or any collectible market have kind of been removed. So I, I really like that. You talked about licensing of this. So this is licensed through the NBA. What happens if that relationship I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know if they could still, I don't, 
I'm guessing they could still trade them, but they wouldn't be able to create new ones. That's my guess. So if um if their market their licensing agreement would actually with mba ends then they almost might make them more scarce in a i way was gonna say that it might be better for business yeah. <laughs> like if you stop producing all of these and they're still and maybe say another company in the space comes and recreates their own they wouldn't have the original you know nft non-fungible token like digital assets of top shot like this it would just be a different brand like this they might be able to exist on their own without the licensing i'm not sure exactly how that works but um yeah there's a there's there's a lot to like about it there's obviously a lot of concerns and i, I don't think a lot of people are like oh this is you know again goes back to like the autograph thing like there is something valuable about having like a player's autograph or a sure. piece of their their jersey that they wore or whatever had in a picture or a photo shoot but i think that two spaces if you're like a diehard collector, they can exist at the same time. I'm, and I, it's not here to replace tr physical trading cards. It's almost here to kind of run side by side. I'm not even worried about value at all, right? I mean, listen, wh why is why is the Canadian well, dollar valuable? Yeah, right, because or they like, tell you did, it is, and because the, and because there's supply and demand for it. Yeah, and like the shoe you you sign your signed shoes in the background, those have yeah. inherent value too. But they're I can go buy a golf shoe and and get someone right. to sign it. It's like it's, it's a trading card is a piece of cardboard. Why is right. that valuable? Because people will pay for it. So I'm not even worried about the value of it. Actually, I do really like the idea of this. I think this is, um, I really like this blueprint. I'm 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 personally, I'd be a little bit worried about the licensing of the NBA stuff. I think like. Um, this will expand into a lot of things that get on the blockchain, a lot of things that it's just going to be like more and more digital art, which I think is kind of interesting. And people are going to have, there's going to be marketplaces set up for them, whether there, they're digital Funko dolls or digital, like what, like, I don't know. So what much it is. already. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. The big thing right now, like, I don't even want to really talk about it because I don't know much about it, but like those crypto punks, which is like apparently like the original, like the first ever NFT, like, I don't know. There's people who are spending like millions of dollars on them, but digital art is again, something very interesting. I was cruising through a, a marketplace today of digital art and like the things you can do with digital art that you can't do with physical art is just like the 3d animation aspect to it. So I don't know. There's like people like you can create a showroom with VR and all of your digital art inside of that showroom. It's just oh, like cool. another step you could take. I'm sure at some point there's going to be like, I don't know if you just have like a, a monitor going all the time and your your digital art kind of flips through um, and you could have like a rotating wheel of your art in like one room. And instead of needing 500 pictures, you have one and it just kind of cycles through and you own those pictures, which I think is kind of an interesting idea as well. I, I like, I like this. I have not gotten into NBA top shot, uh, to this point. It's, why it's is insane. it, why <laughs> is it that literally uh, from what I understand on Twitter, just from what I see on Twitter, why is every time there's a new release, the site goes down? It's, <laughs> I, I don't know, like the, the scaling aspect or what goes on behind the scenes, but it's literally like 50,000 people clicking the same button at the same time. So I don't it's know how that works. So, so how does it, how is it supposed to work? You get into a queue and then like yeah, it, this it, is, it, it's randomized. Like, how is it supposed to determine? So I talk me through, okay, they release a new pack or whatever is that. And I assume that pack is limited and yeah, then it, everybody who wants to get in gets into a room and somehow you're, it's determined that you're allowed to buy these or not. So it used to be going back, like when my brother first told me about it in like December, I was like, whatever, I, he didn't explain <laughs> it well. And then when I first got it, it was just like, 
it was a there was a pack there you click it and open it and it was smooth like there was no rush but now yeah like you said they they tell you or sometimes they don't but um everyone joins it's good it's like a waiting room you jump into a waiting room and then basically they mix you all up and then give you a number assign you a number and away you go if you're there's 50,000 packs and you're 50,000 in number one, you don't probably won't get it. Does it matter about how, like when you get into the room or is it just no, like everybody? It, okay. It, it used to, it used to be like a mad dash, like click, click, click. Like as soon as like the clock struck 12, but now it's, they give you like a 15 minute grace period where you can That's join smart. at some point. And then it's pretty much just comes down to a lottery because honestly, right now that's what it is. Like it's just in a way, I don't want to use the term free money, but you spend $10 and you pretty much can turn that into a hundred really quickly. Oh, I like that. I might have to get on it's, this. So yeah, if, you, if, if it was first come first serve, I assume it would just be like 50,000 bots would get all this stuff anyway. So, so they had I, I like that there's a random. Too. They had, yeah. they had one last week where they were going to do it. And then they got like a, a flurry of new signups which were all bots that were about to like kind of take over the entire drop which so they had to like postpone it like six hours so they've had those issues interesting um so we're still working out a lot of kinks and uh not everything's perfect but it's just it's i'm just fascinated by the kind of the idea of it because i think there is maybe i'm not the generation but there is a generation of people who have do everything on their phone sure. um and on online they don't the thought of like printing out a, like having a physical card to them or whatever, like everything's video clips, pictures on their phones. Like there's nothing printed anymore. Like newspapers, magazines, those are just not a thing anymore. So everything is now going to be at some point, probably digital. You know, I read the articles about, you know, the $75,000 clip or LeBron does whatever, or this is limited, but seemingly even like uh, some of those, some of them I see is like a backup center. I've never heard of, makes a routine pass so, and that yeah. is valuable like this that is, is my not issue <laughs> my only my kind of issue i think as it grows those will kind of become more like less and less valuable like just like a random dude making a layup in the middle of a third quarter like means right. nothing so for me when i first heard about it, i was just like okay that'd be cool to get like a the and they've actually started to do this where um they'll be like the first guy the guy's first nba basket like Lamelo Ball right now, his rookie moment is a uh, his first uh, his first assist. Even though a it's a rookie terrible moment, assist. instead of like a rookie car, like a rookie moment, like his first. That's pretty cool. Like that's what so that's what I thought it would be initially. And you, if you think about it in baseball or football, if this becomes a thing, like his first t- touchdown pass, like if wow. Justin Herbert threw a first touchdown pass, you put that in a moment. You only make like a thousand of them, and right. then that's inherent. Like that is valuable because that's literally his first thing. Um, or like maybe later on, like a good example, is cool. Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's 10,000th point is a moment. Mm. Um, Kevin Durant's first three first points with the nets is a moment. So like they've, they've become a little more, I like um, that they figuring out like what moment moments are important. Um, one of the biggest ones on the, sh- on the site is LeBron's, uh, LeBron did like a tribute dunk to Kobe in the first game back at Staples center after Kobe died. Okay. So they made that into a moment. And that's so probably like, like through the roof, right? Yeah, like though that's probably one of the most popular ones. Um, so there are there is value in the moment itself. And like when you think about a picture as a still picture, which is what a card is, like 
it's cool. It, it doesn't move or anything, but you go back and kind of relive the moment, if you will. It just, there's something a little more interactive about that, that um, is kind of fascinating. And like, if you think about golf, like you could do like a guy's first win. This was uh, my, this was my, my next question. Would be like yeah. the, the drive on 16 at PGA, if that was like his, you know, first major moment or whatever, like you could do a lot of those. There's a lot of moments in golf if you want to think about it potentially going into golf, but I, I don't think, I think golf so slow they'll never get this advanced no they won't but let's play the game so i my my question was going to be if there was a pga top shot uh how what would be some of the more valuable moments the thing is the thing is pga tour doesn't own all the valuable tournaments so you'd have to do it through the masters you'd have to do it through augusta or that's this is never gonna happen yeah that's what i mean so you have (laughs) you have like the players tournaments would be the best moment so the only one i could think of if you did like a and they do this in Top Shot. They do it. It was called like Run It Back. So they go back to like legendary players' first games. So you could do like Tiger or that putt on seventeen. Like that would be yeah. like probably the best moment. But yeah, that would be the best. Or like his chip. If you could, if you could throw every tournament. Oh yeah, if you could get every tournament. Augusta, right. even him tapping in on nineteen. I think at the Masters for in in two thousand nineteen. The like, it would be cool though. Like okay, so like um. Matthew Wolf making Eagle on the 72nd hole at the three M would also be his rookie moment win, so to speak. Right. Cause yeah, that would like, you wouldn't want, you probably wouldn't want like the video of his first tee shot, which would kind of be boring, right. but like that, yeah. cool, that would be sweet in the, in his rookie year to have that winning moment. I think like that, I, that, that type of thought about like kind of encapsulating a moment is what's interesting to me about it. That's or, like like 59 59 rounds would be great like the putt to shoot 59 i feel like would be would be cool i mean there this this i really like this i wish this was going to come to pga i i wish i was more of a basketball guy like this Honestly, this doesn't like interest it, it doesn't interest me that much you know what i mean i'm like okay this is like lebron dunked it or whatever like i see the value in it i like the idea of it but like i'm not all that interested in it yeah that's like i it, if you had to rank the sports basketball it'd probably be low on my list i just i find like the whole concept of it rather interesting. And there's, if you're early enough, there's money to be made, but um, yeah, there's, it's just kind of, it's very unique and, and booming right now. So it's kind of just something, yeah, something to do. And uh, maybe it, maybe it dies in like a year or two. I don't know, but it, it could, it could easily do that. But uh, right now it's, it's fun and interesting. At the very least, what I hope it does is spark a lot of, innovation in the space right people are going to try other things like you know the first the first person through the wall usually ends up with a bloody face right that's the saying right so if, so if nba top shot is the first one through the wall maybe they survive maybe they are uh, awesome in 10 years and this is the new thing and they were the first one or maybe this spurs you know 12 12 kind of spin-off things and and one of those or two of those or six of those catch on and now we kind of have an industry of these that uh, make it better for everybody because obviously competition is is good. I just think, yeah, like if the NFL did it, there are so many. Ugh. That's like the, obviously massive, and there are just so many players, so many moments, and it, maybe that takes away from people who are interested in Top Shot right now because they're not basketball fans; they're just doing it for the collectible idea of it. So maybe if more sports jump on, other you know, there's only a certain X amount of dollars in the entire space, and right now it's all on one sport and all on one site. So maybe if there's more competitors, it starts to diminish other other value of other asp- uh other aspects or whatever in the space i'm not sure exactly how that would work but um there's just a lot of possibility so it's 
something I keep my eye on. There's a few, <laughs> we, there's some closet, uh, some closet top shot fans in the, in the PGA world that we uh, DM back and forth about. It's, uh, it's fun. We, we keep it low key. I try to keep the Twitter feed strictly about golf. But. It, I, I mean, it's pretty cool. And like, and like, you can go on and see other people, like it has a real viral, like I, I know why this got popular, right? Like you can go on and see people open their packs. That's part of it. Like, like I completely understand. I wish I was more interested in the NBA. I wish I got onto it a little bit earlier. Um, but like, I completely get why this, this is currently so popular. One thing I would have uh, maybe would have changed is like, I can go on and look at the best moment that is in existence if it's for sale. I just did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would think if I want to, I don't know, to, to enhance the ownership of the moment, like blur out the moment that's for sale mm. or like shorten the clip or something, because like, there's just something about like, like we said, with you can go look at the most expensive trading cards too. Like um, you obviously don't own it, but at the same time, you kind of get the satisfaction of looking at the picture. But so for this, it'd be like, damn, I, it's blurry. I can't really see it all. Like I need, I really want to buy it. <laughs> I want I, I need like the full, you know, that's, that's the only thing that like kind of irks me is like, I can go see it. I can go, I don't even need to buy it. I can just go look at someone else's collection. So this, we can, we can wrap this up here shortly, but I'm just curious. Like, so, so LeBron, this LeBron moment, it says edition size 32. So there's 32 of these in existence. And it's the, the one I'm looking at is 250,000 or listed at $250,000. So like, did, do you just come across these in, I assume they're not like base packs. I'm sure there's like more expensive packs and then they're kind of randomly distributed within those expensive packs. Yeah. So it, when it was early in the early days, um, these packs are like 230 bucks and no one was really on the site opening them. So this, the, that one you're talking about, yeah, $230 pack. Now those, that same pack would run you a thousand dollars. So that's where the price jump is, but yeah, you're just never going to get, and that's like series one. So that was like the first ever series made. So you're just, that, that moment there is never going to get reproduced again. So well, and is, do we know if all 32 have been pulled at this point? Like, is there a thing that says... There's like, a way so to you, check. Yeah, okay. I, I don't have it in front of me. I There's, what, one for sale? Yeah. There's so one for sale, but I don't know if that probably, means... There are people who have, like, those $230 packs right now that they're sitting on, and because there is going to be a point where you can just sell packs. So well, that's people, what that's like. That's like Michael Jordan's rookie pack, like the pack alone, or like a box alone, yeah, where like Michael Jordan's rookie card might it. be in here. <laughs> yeah. So there is a way to track that. So if someone has the, the pack from that series and there's one left and there's three packs, you have like a one in three chance of potentially getting that that LeBron moment. So, yeah. Got it. Okay, I do. I do think that. Um, I think they've all been pulled because i'm looking at it and i'm going through the serial numbers and it looks like they're all there it tells you who has it which is kind of cool and then also there's like i guess there's value in the jersey number so the guy who has number oh, yeah. 23 of it that is that's more that's valuable the thing well. and that's the thing in, in trading cards as well you want number one or the jersey number and that just that's what it adds extra value to the serial number in itself but for me if i don't have like one but I guess in the blockchain world, it's even more valuable because number one is typically the one that was first created. Whereas mm. in the trading card world, you know, you can print them all out and then they sit there and then a stamp comes by and just hammers a stamp. You don't really know which one was made first, but in, in the crypto space, right. they actually do know what one was made first. So um, there is value in that as well. But um, that's that's high level money. That's <laughs> we're, not, we're not even close to that. So very, very interesting. 
thank you for the education, Eric Patterson. <laughs> I hope I didn't out myself as out, out myself as a fraud in the entire space. <laughs> I'm sure someone will tell us if if uh, if you did, but this is pretty cool. I'm, I'm very interested. I'll keep a close eye, but uh, I I do not have an account yet. That might change soon. You don't have time uh, for any of this stuff. It you, seems you collect your South Korean signature shoes, and away yeah. you go. You corner. I've got that market cornered, my man. <laughs> <laughs> once once Sungjae or Benny On win a major, those those shoes are going. Or up a gold sale. medal. You need a gold medal, and then then the South Korean market will be coming at your door. Oh, love it. It'll be on eBay the next morning. Uh, Eric Patterson, you can find his work at The Score. You can follow him on Twitter at Golf. You can read his quick nine, which will be linked in the description below. As always, uh, much appreciated, Eric. Anytime, yeah. Enjoy the, enjoy the rest of the week. All right. This has been 300 Yards to Unknown. See ya.